But what community and what accountability allows you to do is really figure out what is going to be the best way for you to do that personally um, that's going to lead to consistency. because that, I think consistency is the key when, when it comes to spiritual practices. It's not depth, it's not breadth, it's not knowledge, it's not you know any of these things. It's can you be consistent in your time spent with Jesus? Because it's in that consistency that I think you're going to start hearing, hearing from God. Hi there, friends. This is episode 63 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff. I'm a pastor and an author and your host for today. And my guest today is Grant Vissers, who is a pastor at St. Paul's Leeksdale Church and is a blogger and a writer and a fellow podcaster. So he hosts a podcast called the Young Church Leaders Podcast, and we talk a bit about that in the interview. Overall, this interview, we talk a whole bunch about calling and his own struggle with being called into Uh, ministry as a pastor, Uh, but we talk a little more broadly about vocation and what that might mean uh, in anyone's life and how do you listen for the voice of God in the midst of many voices. Uh, We also really, and I think the heart of this interview is actually near the end where we get towards some of the things they focus on around young church leaders and some of the things they've discovered um, that pastors are struggling with, especially in their first few years of being pastors. But some of the things they found, I think, are actually really broadly applicable to the life of faith for anyone who is trying to faithfully follow Jesus. So as you listen to this interview, see if you can see yourself in some of the things that are being discussed, some of the things that you might struggle with. Um, And then Grant has some great things to share about how do we become more consistent in our spiritual life? How does that take place? And the important role of things like community and accountability, and what that needs to look like in order for us to thrive in our spiritual lives well into the future. So I know you're going to love this interview, and I encourage you, if you are enjoying these podcasts, to go and search for this podcast, Spirituality for Ordinary People, on iTunes, and leave a star rating there. Uh, That helps the podcast become more visible for other people to find it. Um, So I would love it if you could leave a rating and a review Uh, But for now, why don't you just sit back and enjoy this interview with Grant Vissers? Yeah, it's been, uh, we've been, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, Grant, but uh, (laughs) it's it's good to finally have you on here. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a blast. It's good to finally connect. So what you didn't do, I appreciate you didn't tell, but you sent me an email like over a year ago that I just blatantly ignored. I missed, I ignored, I don't know what happened. I missed it. And so it's good. It's good to connect and uh, glad to have a conversation with you. It happens. We'll just put that out there. It's good to start the show with confession. <laughs> yeah. um, we're, we're just going to kind of jump into a few things just around. Uh, one of the things was on your bio, actually. Um, so you have this in your bio. Growing up, I wanted to be anything but a pastor, really anything. And then after graduating high school, I finally accepted that I was being called into ministry. So why didn't, I mean, lots of people actually don't want to be pastors, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, why did you not want to be a pastor? And then maybe what did it look like to accept a call into ministry? I'm just really interested in that. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's a great place to start. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm 
happily, uh, happily now a, a pastor most days anyways, happily. <laughs> um, but, uh, just like, so really quick background, uh, I'm married. Um, yeah, Connie, my wife is also a pastor. Yeah. We get to serve together, which is a blast. Um, uh, she's actually on maternity leave right now. We just had our mm-hmm. first child, uh, baby girl. And it's hard to believe she's going to be six months soon. Wow. Uh, so that's wild. It's just, it's, you know, flown by, but yeah, north north of Toronto, and um, uh, I've I've been pastoring now where I'm at for for almost three years. So um, to go back, like to answer your question, to go back, uh, why did I not want to become a pastor? So I, my dad is a is a pastor and uh, has served in various capacities. Loved what he did and has done and is continuing to do. So he serves right now uh, in academics and has kind of bounced over his career back and forth between, uh, between university and, and teaching and uh, leading academic institutions to leading the local church. And so throughout my lifetime, I have these like distinct moments of transition where we went, okay, so we're in a church now we're, you know, in, in right. university life back and forth. And so to like in the simplest way possible, I just, I didn't want to be a pastor because I saw a lot of the negative things of what being a pastor is like, right. When you're a kid growing up and one of your parents is a pastor, um, you don't always see like the successes and the celebrations and the milestones and the great ministry moments. What you see is the impact that ministry has on the person. And so I remember like from a really young age saying, I, I, I want to be anything really, you know, anything other than a pastor. So for a season, I wanted to be a dentist, which when you, when I think about it now, it's like dentists hate their jobs even more than pastors do. It was like, it's, you know, so I, I literally want to do anything but that, but uh, it was, when it boils down to it, it was because I saw the impact that being a pastor has on the person, like physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, all these areas. And I saw it, um, growing up and, and just kind of lived with it and the late nights and the meetings and the impromptu stuff and the emergencies and other people's emergencies and then becoming your emergency, like all these things that, um, you know, I, I, I was able to, to see by virtue of growing up as a pastor's kid, but also, you know, I had friends whose parents were pastors. I have cousins whose parents are pastors. So mm-hmm. like, I just kind of lived in this world where I saw, um, like I said, I saw the, some of the negative parts of it. What I didn't see was all the positive and all the great pieces. Um, and so I just want to throw that out there that for yeah, sure, yeah. it's not, you know, a, an accurate picture of the totality of ministry that I saw, but that's why I, I didn't want to become a, a pastor. Yeah. I, I wonder that, uh, too, and maybe that's a bit of a selfish question, even just asking it, because I see that sometimes in my daughter, she's eight years mm-hmm. old now. And, um, you know, it's little stuff. Like I feel like it's, it's often there's an evening meeting or there's a week where there's three nights in a row where I've got to be out. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a, it's just that question of, Oh, do you really like, do you really have to go? Like, it's just, it's small, but it's just sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. so I try to figure out are there ways to, to minimize that or are there ways to like how much, is shared around the supper table and all. I'm sure you're going to think about those things. I'm sure your dad thought about those things as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's certainly something to pay attention to. And so for then for you, like what did it look like to accept a call to ministry? 
Yeah. So the the funny thing is I actually felt called to ministry very young. And so I think that's also why I grabbed onto like the, the, the negative pieces of I mean, I don't want to do this, but I feel right. called to ministry, but I don't want to do this. So I'm, right, I'm right. only going to, you know, focus on all the, all the reasons why I shouldn't have to do this. I, I, I want to do, you know, anything else. And, uh, yeah, so so from a very early age, felt called into ministry and was given these weird opportunities to step into ministry. I guess that's probably one of, one of the benefits of growing up um, with uh, you know with my dad as a pastor is I was actually able to jump into ministry from a really early age and probably even like a stupid early age to try to lead and to fail and to succeed right. and to wrestle with ministry and what it means to be an active member of the church. Like I probably had way more of those opportunities um, than, than, a, you know, than a, a normal kid would just growing up in the church. And so grateful for that. And I think it was those opportunities that then started to really impact on me and say, you know, maybe, maybe you are, being called into ministry. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe this is something that you should be looking at doing. And so through high school really wrestled with that. And I had some teachers who, so I went to a Christian school in Montreal, had some teachers who, uh, kind of rose up around me and started to name gifts. And, and again, just give me weird opportunities, uh, to lead, uh, Bible studies or to speak in front of school or like to do these pieces of ministry that, are just um, kind of random, and you know, uh, looking back, I don't think they were random. But at the time, we're like, well, sh- sure, but why? Like, why are you asking me to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, congruently to that, I had been working at camp um, and love Christian camps and uh, you know the opportunities that that you get. So I grew up as a as a camper every summer, going to camp uh, from the time I was like one. Uh, on and uh, then eventually, you know, went through leadership training there. Uh, eventually, jumped into leadership, and every summer would leave school and would go and uh, and lead at camp for for the summer. And and then when I was in university for like for four months, so uh, had all these opportunities to be in ministry. And it was through that and through the people who were speaking to my life and giving me those opportunities, um, for sure, through my parents who just started to prompt these things in me and say, like, maybe, maybe there's something more here. Like you're, you're gifted at it. You've got gifts for, for leadership and for ministry. Maybe you should pray about this. Maybe, right. The, like the, the, the worst thing you could do is start to pray about something uh, if you don't want to do it. And then, uh, and so I, all that to say, I had this really decisive conversation with a friend and mentor of mine at the time we were at camp I was where I was actually working for him. I was leading um, like our senior teens group, speaking almost every day. He sat down uh, one evening and he said to me, give me one good reason why you shouldn't be in ministry or at least consider it and I'll let it go. And I couldn't. Like for all the good reasons I thought I had and I thought I had stored up for years and years and years for all the rationalization I've been through, like I'm not going to do it because I don't want this to happen to my family. I don't want this. I don't want that. For all of that conversation and wrestling that I've been doing with myself over those years, I couldn't come up with a single reason why I shouldn't at least pray about it and think about it and start walking in that direction until the door was closed. And it just has turned out that the door was never closed. I'm still walking in that direction, figuring out what it means to be in ministry and God still won't close the door. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and here we are. So 
And then when you find finally find that reason, you're going to call up that friend and mentor, right? <laughs> <laughs> I found it. I found yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and see, like yeah. the the crazy thing is, is I've been through really, really um, hard seasons in ministry and really tough, challenging situations and circumstances in, in, um, you know, Connie and I going through a whole bunch of stuff, uh, leading up to having a family, like there've been countless reasons why you would think, okay, here's finally the reason why God is no longer faithful. And I no longer have to be in ministry. And the, the thing that I keep coming back to is, man, God continues to be faithful and God continues to call us to take that next step. Like, I don't know what 10 steps down the line looks like, right. but God keeps calling, you know, calling me and my wife and our family to take the next step. What's right. immediately in front of us, take that step. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I said, we're, we're just, we're here, here, here we are. <laughs> so what advice would you have to those who are trying to figure out God's call in their lives, whether that's into some form of ministry um, or, or anything really? Yeah, I think like I think we you know we talk about um, we talk about being called into ministry, um, but I think for like for so I was really impacted by a professor named Daryl Guder at Princeton uh, who who reads a whole lot of Bart Carl Bart and talks about like the the vocation of the Christian as witness and like I think I think we we have this idea like we talk about being called into ministry, but then we don't actually like I, I want to talk about what it means to be called into uh, like being a doctor, being a Christian and a witness in the world as a doctor, as a lawyer, or as a nurse or teacher, mm-hmm. or any countless number of jobs. So for anyone who's wrestling with this idea of what, like, what am I meant to do? Um, I would say this, if you don't want to do it, don't listen to people around you. <laughs> but if you do, if you, if you're open to the possibility that, that God might be impressing this on you, whether it's ministry or any number of any other professions inside of ministry or outside, um, I would say for me, what really started to change my heart, uh, was when things that I thought or believed or was, you know, were, were thinking about were then confirmed and affirmed by people in my life who I trusted. And so uh, I would say, listen to those around you, but make sure they've earned the right to be heard first. So I say like, I, I was listening to people who, who had earned my trust. So listen to people in your life who have earned the right to be heard. That is, they've been consistent with you. They've been, you know, in your life through the ups and the downs. They're not trying to get anything from you. Like they are, they are, you know, they might not agree with you on everything, but uh, they have your best in in mind. So for me, that was um, my family, uh, and then uh, you know uh, a number of other people who had earned that right. So I would say listen, listen to those people around you because it's been my experience. Like, I, so here's the thing: I, like, I'm a pastor, but I don't hear this audible version, like like voice from God. I don't. I just that's not how I experience God speaking into my life, and. Um, you know, people out there, that's maybe how they experience or, or hear God. That's just not been my experience. The way God speaks to me is uh, through scripture, through reading, and then through uh, other people uh, affirming things in my life or or not, right? Speaking conviction into my life, but through people who God has placed in my life and who have earned the right to be there and the right the right to speak into it. So I'd say for sure, be listening to those around you. Um, absolutely, uh, get yourself into scripture. Um, and that sounds like a really churchy answer, but, uh, read your Bible. And, uh, it's not just because I'm a pastor. I'm not just trying to convince you to do that. I actually believe that the message 
in the Bible is God's best for you and lays out God's best for you. And it's not like, it's not, again, it's not going to tell you every single step of the way, but um, it lay, I think it lays out what, what God's, you know, best for your life can be. And so you, you definitely need to be in that and then, and then pray a whole lot. Um, and when I say pray, I just mean like, like listen, like just be open to conversations with God, uh, be open to talking with God, be open to, uh, God speaking into your life. Um, doesn't have to be super formal. doesn't have to happen with your eyes closed and your you know hands folded, but just be in regular conversation with God because I actually, you know, I, I, I believe that he, he, again, he's got something that's best for you and that's best laid out for you. And, um, you know, you can't, I don't think we can find that or navigate that outside of listening to how he's speaking into, into your life. Sure. Sure. Um, what do you think is the place of, uh, of desire in all of that. Like, so, um, so kind of saying, Oh, I didn't want to be a pastor, but then I did like at some level, did you also want to be a pastor? Like, um, like, I guess what is the, what is the place of that in, in that whole kind of discernment of, of vocation? Yeah, that's a great question. What's like, so what's the place of, so, there would be a time where I say, absolutely, I don't want to do this. And maybe that doesn't matter. And uh, yeah, I so desire is like, it's a, it can be a, a weird thing or I think a, maybe a dangerous benchmark. Like I want a lot of things that are not good for me. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's not like, for me, I would just say like, that's, it's don't ignore it completely, but I just know that there are, there are places in my life where God's best for me is not the same as what I want. Like my, my desire like as a, as a sort of physical human response to uh, emotion and, and, you know, feeling good, all these types of things that you would say, yeah, there are, there are things there are, you know, that any of us can do that, that don't align with, with God's best. Um, so I'd say that just be careful about, um, only listening to that. Uh, at the same time, I love what I do. And at this, so for me, it's been, uh, since I said, okay, you know, God, I'll, I'll take this first step and then I'll take this next step. It's been a, process of God drawing my kind of, well, in you know, to use your word desire in line with what his is for my life. Right. And so, you know, all along I, I had, I knew, okay, you know, God's gifted me for something. I'm supposed to do something, but I'm not sure what, and I don't want to do this, but like God's, it's been the process of God pulling my desire into alignment with, with his and mm-hmm. uh, with his for my life. I think so, as well, if you would like, if someone had been offering you, um, like early on and say, uh, saying, Hey, Grant, come and like, come and lead this Bible study. And your reaction sounds like your reac- reaction was, oh, all right. Um, mm-hmm. but if your reaction was, oh my gosh, I can't imagine anything more horrible than, be- than leading a Bible study <laughs> like that, that's probably a desire you should pay attention to. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that doesn't like some people probably like, if that's just your visceral reaction is like, I really never want to stand up in front of people and speak. Um, 
that's just a horrible, horrible idea. Like th- that terrified me before uh, going into ministry, mm-hmm. but I had also done it. Like I felt like there were certain times where, oh, I had something to say and I stood up in front of the group. It still terrified me. I still had these, like I actually got sick <laughs> before yeah. going and speaking, but, yeah. um, but I still had this sense of, yeah, this does feel like something that I actually do want to do. Um, so it, it didn't, it didn't terrify me in the sense of like, Oh, that's the last thing on earth I would ever do. So I think those kinds of desires, I think we, maybe we should pay attention to that. And it's a piece anyway, right? Like I used to think we should just ignore it because it's unreliable (laughs) yeah, Um, or dangerous. Like you said. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and for sure, you know, again, this is, this is where I would say it's great to have people around you who you're able to have that conversation with because for sure, like you may, you may instantly feel fear about something and you need someone to come alongside you and say, well, actually like you might be feeling this, you might be feeling afraid to take this step, but let's actually like, so again, like my, my first response is not to always like go to to scripture. Like it doesn't, it sometimes really helps and it sometimes can really harm someone in how you're using it. So with the, but like, there's a whole lot of Bible passages where the first call is do not be afraid. Right. You not be afraid. And so let's talk about that, right? Like if you're, if, if you're experiencing this fear, maybe that's actually a, a sign that you should be going in that direction. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, Frederick Buechner has a, has a quote and I, so I pulled it up so I wouldn't misquote it. Um, and it's, it's probably, so everybody probably knows this quote already, but, um, he says something along the lines of, you know, the place God calls you is to the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep need or deep hunger meet. And I, I like that quote. Um, Parker Palmer also writes a whole lot on, on, uh, this idea of, you know, vocation and, uh, what am I like? What am I meant to do? How do I let my life speak? And so th- those are just some, you know, some resources I think for people mm-hmm. who who might be wrestling with with that idea. But um, for sure, like I love that, you know, that idea of man, what just resonates so deeply within me? Like what makes me glad and happy and thankful that I get to wake up every single day and do? And then mm-hmm. what need do I see in the world that I can go out and, and meet that with? And I go, man, that if every single person, if every single person who followed Jesus, who, or who, who named Jesus Lord were, were to say, you know, how am I going to wake up today and, and, and meet someone's need or meet a world's need like that, man, that's an exciting place to live. Yeah. Also in a way that, that where I'm feeling like I'm coming alive or I'm, or I'm tapping into this deep gladness. Yep. Um, cause I used to really miss that. Like I would just think, mm. oh, yeah, like we just serve, serve at all costs. And I've seen so many people who serve to the point of burnout or they're kind of grumpy. <laughs> yeah. Cr- like grumpy servants of Christ, like yeah. and complaining all the time about what it, what they have to do for, for Jesus. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's actually quite what we're called to. Like there's a joy component that's often missing. So I, I, I really, I really love that. Hmm. Um, but, but I want to ask you about the the podcast that you have that, yep. that some of our listeners might be really interested in. Um, it's called the young church leaders podcast. It's been around for about a year, I think. Yeah. We just, we crossed over one year of podcasting. It was a fun celebration. We cool. gave, gave a whole bunch of stuff away and, uh, and had a big party. So it was we good. Did. 
we did a similar thing here. So yeah. <laughs> when we crossed our year, which wasn't too long ago, about six months ago. Um, yeah, but what, I'd love to just know what led you to start that podcast. Uh, and we were talking off air just beforehand about there's lots of uh, podcasts about leadership. Yeah. Um, and this one is about uh, uh, the Young Church Leaders podcast. Um, so yeah, what uh, what led to, to starting that up? And, and maybe sort of a little bit about what the, the journey has been of, of doing that podcast and things you've yeah. learned. For sure. So really, really quickly, um, you can find us at youngchurchleaders.org. Um, you know, like the shameless plug here, right? Yeah, that's fine. Um, you, and we're on, we're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn, all those, all those good places. Um, so if you're interested, you know, get in touch with us, leave some comment. Like we're, our goal is to create a community of, of young church leaders who are wrestling with similar things. And so we, we learn together, we grow together, we challenge each other. And that's like, that's our goal is rather than just like simply producing content for content's sake, we go, how are we going to, how are we going to add value to people's lives? Best way we know how to do that is just to like to connect people together and to connect people to, to Jesus. So, um, yeah, so we uh, we focus on uh, a couple of things. Um, so you said there, you know, we, we were talking about this. Every it seems like everybody has a leadership podcast, and there's a whole lot of great content out there about leadership. So there's a number of leadership podcasts that I listen to that are uh, predominantly like content content focused, uh, strategy focused. Um, how to's like, if you want to do this, here are, you know, a few examples of best practices to accomplish. So like that kind of content. And so we stepped back and said, well, you know, there's, there's already a whole lot of great stuff out there, but what there's not a lot of focus on is the character of the leader or the heart of the leader. And so the number one thing that we try to go after is how do you develop your character as a leader? Because for a long, long time, people have been saying, well, you know, competency is going to take you far. And if you want to go far in leadership, you need to learn as much as you can. You need to take in as much as you can. You need to know as much as you can so that you can go out and do. And what we're finding and what a lot of people are, are returning to is um, competency is only going to take you as far as character will allow. I think so. That's a quote from Kerry Newhoff. And I, you know, I listen to his leadership podcast regularly. And I like that rings true to me uh, that character only takes you as far as competency or, or uh, competency only takes you as far as character will allow. And so we took a step back and said, how as young church leaders are we creating habits of health now that are going to allow us to go far in leadership and not just like personally, right? Like, you know, whatever I can, you know, who knows how long I'll be in this game for, who knows how long I'll be in, you know, on the earth for, um, how can I help other people develop their character so that they can go far in leadership? And how can I help them today start cultivating practices and lifestyles and habits in their every single day life that are going to allow for health over the long term. So that's that's what we do and what we feel burdened about. Um, but if I could, like, can I just jump back to the why, like the why of it? Why do we do? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and so this this is like really personal for me. Uh, so I just, like I jumped into ministry, been in ministry for like almost four years after seminary. So post seminary, post you know master's degree, um, and a year in, I I burned out. A year in, I was running so fast and so hard and trying to do too much. And, uh, I burned out 
and uh, it affected all areas of my life, right? So uh, it didn't just affect work, it affected my personal health. And I'm not an anxious person, um, but I actually had really severe like panic attacks. And I remember like I have these vivid memories of like the first time I was preaching and I had this, I was preaching and I had an internal conversation with myself, convincing myself to stay on the platform while I was still preaching. Wow. And uh, so it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, and so, so physically, like I, I wasn't well, uh, relationally, right. You know, so new marriage, uh, my wife and I got married after graduating from seminary. So new marriage, new country for my wife, we moved to Canada and a uh, new job. And then I, you know, I burned out it. So obviously it's going to affect your marriage, your relationships, affects friendships, all these areas. And so it, it was thanks to some really great people in my life. You know, I was able to um, get some help and figure out what was going on and actually identify it. Uh, right. Which is always the first thing is what is actually going on in this moment. And, you know, in this season of life, um, am I actually like, am I feeling what I'm feeling? Is this accurate? What I think is going on? Is it actually what's going on? And okay. You know, maybe it is. Um, what are some, what are some first steps? And, so super grateful to people. Uh, Carrie was one of them uh, who came alongside me. Uh, my wife was huge and instrumental in in that, as well as my family. Um, but uh, super grateful uh, to God, you know, on the other side of that, to now have a new rhythm and a new, uh, you know, new joy and hope, and you know, all these things that that you know, I believe Jesus's desire is is to give us and and live in us and continue to work out through us. Um, on the other side of that, now years later, uh, my like the why for me of the the podcast and the blog and all the resources and everything that we do is to create health in people's lives so that they don't have to go through what what my wife and I went through what, what you know that season of life and so. Uh, it's out of that experience and out of seeing God's redemptive work in it and God's healing work in it and God's faithfulness through it, out of all of that, that it's, this is my response to that. Almost in gratitude is to say, okay, God, out of gratitude for what you did for me and for Connie and what you continue to do for us, I would love to turn around and uh, help some other people sort this stuff out and figure this out uh, in the preventative stage. Because I think it's absolutely preventative uh, if you are aware of, of certain things in, in your life. So, uh, that's, that's like the why, uh, for a lot of what I do. Um, but it's definitely the why for me, uh, for the podcast and, uh, and the blog. So yeah, we focus on character development. Um, so like developing healthy rhythms in your life, uh, some that are super spiritual and some that are just super practical. Right. Uh, and can we, can we talk about that for a bit? Actually? Ab- yeah, absolutely. Like this is, yep. this is really great. But in a lot of ways, uh, this podcast spirituality for ordinary people kind of, fo- I, I would imagine like things that you're talking about in terms of health and practices weekly, daily, uh, to me, that fits. That's good. Some of that is going to fit for anybody. And I, I know yeah. there's pastors who listen to this podcast as well. Um, but what are some of the things that you're finding, especially over the conversations over the last year with your podcast, what are the, some of the things that you're finding are, are themes or things that continue to come up that are, that are core practices that are, that are helpful and health building? 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, we're still we're still trying to figure all that like oh, all sure. this out, and right. uh, and it's you know it's by no means are we are we the experts on it. We just basically <laughs> well, and I think also yeah, I think also as well you're saying like your goal is to build community. So even right in that, that's I mean, often people don't think of community as a practice, but, right? But right. in so, a lot of ways, it's not that this is something that is. You know, if it was just 12 things, you would have had 12 episodes and that would have been the content and then away you go. But right. Here are 12 steps. And if you yeah. do it exactly like we say, <laughs> exactly. 100% right. of the time, it's just, right. it's not that right. It's no. absolutely not. So yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the, one of the biggest things that I find in, in my conversations with other pastors and leaders and, uh, professional church workers, volunteer church workers is loneliness. Um, it, it is a, uh, it's a lonely profession. And so I think that for, for me and for what we do at Young Church Leaders, a lot of what we try to do is combat this idea that you are isolated. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what has bred this within the church, but I think there, there really is a feeling of isolation. I remember I had a professor uh, at seminary who said, absolutely 100% of the time, you can never be friends with anybody in your congregation. And I sat there and I go, well, that sucks. Like, because, you know, if I end up in rural, like rural Canada, like who else is there? Right. And rural, rural, um, you know, America, who else is there other than the people you're ministering to? And so I wrote a blog post in opposition to that view uh, a while back. So, yeah. And and I, and I love it because that is like, I think that's just so detrimental and I get it. Like I get it. You need boundaries and healthy ones. Um, But there's a whole lot of great resources on that uh, as well. And so, uh, you know, loneliness for sure is a big one. We try to build community and so I think, you know what, I think spiritual practices, we often think of them as alone in isolation, like by ourselves, close the door. Like, what do we do in the first like 30 minutes of the day or yeah. the last 30 minutes of like, by, you know, just me and Jesus, which is great. You need that time. But spiritual practices are like, that's not the totality of spiritual practice. And I think that a you know, big one is being called into community. You know, I know that I'm, I go sideways quickly when I'm, uh, you know, when I'm by myself on my own. And it's not just because I'm like an insane extrovert. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, God actually uses community to it, like, they're like guardrails and God uses community in my life. And, uh, you know, then I pray uses me and other people's lives. Um, to, to help cultivate spiritual practice. So for sure, um, we try to combat loneliness with community. Um, we, another big one for us is, uh, has been, uh, accountability and trying to wrestle through, uh, this idea of like a deep and meaningful accountability. So I often find like accountability can take a number of different shapes. So like one, it can just, it can be really shameful, and I just like anything that has to do with shame is not, is, is Jesus is not about shame, right? The gospel right. is not about shame. It's one that actually releases you from shame. And so uh, we've been trying to wrestle through what does accountability look like that is strong, like good accountability, but is not shame based. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a big one. But then on the flip side of that, you can have really weak accountability. That's just like permission granting and just right. like, <laughs> okay, so what? Okay. All right. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, you suck this week, but 
Jesus loves you and that's true. So, okay. None of that is false, (laughs) but it also doesn't lead to any type of life change. And so we try to, you know, we've been wrestling with what this idea of good accountability can look like. Um, And um, I think those are two that have had a really big impact on me. Um, but they're also ones that can have a really big impact on anybody, regardless of whether you're a leader in the church or not, um, because those are ones that set you up for success in all the areas of, of your life and in all the practices that you, you find works for you. This is the thing that I've found is that there's nobody out there who has the like knockout best absolute right spiritual practice guidebook, right? Like there's a lot of great resources out there. So I always go back to Foster's, like the, uh, you know, Foster's discipline. Um, but, but there's like, there's nobody who has the right spiritual practice because nobody's the same. So, um, you know, one of the, one of the, I'm jumping the gun here. One of the questions that, that yeah, is, in, you know, as we kind of preparing for this was, uh, you know, along the lines of like, what, what have I struggled with in spiritual practice? Like I suck at praying. And so again, like people are going to be surprised that to hear That's this. Okay. Thing. I'll take that clip and I'll just send that to your, uh, elders of your church. Yeah. See, this is it. When you, when you record podcasts, like you trust the host because yeah. <laughs> man, there's a lot of editing that you can do with this, right. but I, I do, I do. I, I, you know, if, it, if, if it comes down to me sitting and praying for any length of time, like I can't do it. It's just not, it's not me. It's not how God has wired me. And so I've had to learn uh, ways of praying because I believe in prayer. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's, it's biblical. Like, you know, when I read scripture, it appears to be there in the Bible. Right. Right. You know, so, um, I've had to find ways of praying that work for me. And those ways are not going to work for everybody out there. But what community and accountability allows me to do is wrestle with that, not in isolation Hmm. and wrestle with this idea. So I don't feel like I can sit and pray for like a half an hour or an hour. I mean, like there are people in my lives, like if they can sit and spend a whole day praying, that's not me. Help me wrestle with this. Help me figure out how I can pray or uh, like quiet time or, uh, you know, reading my Bible. Like these are all things that I believe are good for you. Um, but what community and what accountability allows you to do is really figure out what is going to be the best way for you to do that personally. Um, that's going to lead to consistency. Uh, because that I think consistency is the key when, when it comes to spiritual practices, it's not depth, it's not breadth, it's not knowledge. It's not, you know, any of these things. It's, can you be consistent in your time spent with Jesus? Because it's in that consistency that I think you're going to start hearing, hearing from God. So what does that look like for you? Like what is, what is the consistent spiritual practice in, in your own life? For me? Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I have learned is I uh, go squirrely when I don't work out, <laughs> oh, okay. when I don't go for runs. Um, so this is why like part of what we do is just really practical. Like how are we encouraging physical health in clergy? Like we're one of the least healthy uh, demographics in the, worst, in the workforce. And uh, so how, how do we encourage physical health? because I actually believe that it's all like, it's, it's, it's all connected. And, and I don't want that to start to sound weird, but like your physical health impacts your spiritual health. It's as simple as that. And your mm-hmm. spiritual health impacts your, your physical health and your emotional you know, health impacts all of it. So 
for me, I've learned that if I want to be consistent with anything, like anything in my life, um, I need to be physically active. The, the consistency for me starts when I'm consistent in my physical health. Mm. That may not be the same. Like some people may struggle with the physical health, health piece. And so they know actually when I'm consistent in my spiritual practices, that's going to allow me and challenge me to be consistent in my physical practice. So again, you need to figure out what is going to work best for you. But for me, what I've found is a lot of it, if not all of it starts with my physical health. And when I'm consistent there, it's a lot easier for me to sit down and focus and be consistent in my spiritual practice. Um, there's music. actually research around uh, habit building that um, that shows that uh, there are things like called anchor habits. Mm-hmm. So for you, that would be like exercise would be an anchor habit that it, once that's in place, then other habits can be built around that. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't realize that that's it's something about the human brain that, <laughs> that works that way that you need those yeah. things in place. Yeah. Um, like for yeah. me, when I started prioritizing uh, Sabbath or breaks or walks, uh, mm. going on a walk as a way of taking a break, other things fall into place for me when I do that. Yeah. Um, so whether you want to call walking, uh, exercise, but for me, I see it as a, Oh, I have to intentionally say, okay, here's a half hour. I'm going for a half hour walk. And, yeah. uh, and that really puts a whole bunch of other things into place for me. So yeah. anyway, uh, other things for, for you, what else does your, so exercise is kind of a, a, a core thing. Yeah, for sure. So from, from that, I'm able to sit and, um, and read. Um, but I, I, I try to read in a couple different ways. Um, so I've always got, like, I've got books of the Bible on the go. I've, I've tried to do like the Bible in a year type plans, like that bounces you all over the place. Uh, so you're in like four different books every day. doesn't work for me. I get distracted and I just can't, uh, again, consistent. I'm not consistent with it. Um, I like stories and I like telling stories and um, drawing people into stories. I think that's what's so, in, it was part of what really compels me about scripture is is the narrative. It's, it's a story that you're drawn into. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I read uh, in stories, I consume in stories. And if you're a great storyteller, like you've got me hooked. So there's some, there's great storytellers on YouTube and, and all over the place that, that, uh, um, that, that have got me because it's like, man, like you can, you can really tell a story. So, uh, I read, I read stories. Like I read books of the Bible because that's how, that's how I want to, uh, consume. That's, that's what resonates. Um, but then I also have like a slow day. I try to spend, um, time in the Psalms, like as much as possible, if not every single day. Uh, and again, like, I'm just going back even to young church leaders stuff like why character matters. Like, you know, here's this guy, David, who messes up how many ways to Sunday, but he, you know, he, he's still known like David is known as a man after God's own heart. And, uh, so you go, yeah, dude was a wreck at times, but, uh, but still pursued Jesus. And so I try to spend as much time in the Psalms as possible because it, it just, orients my life and my heart to say, okay, how, like, how am I going to pursue Jesus today? You know, despite the ways that I will inevitably mess up, how am I going to continue to, in the midst of those, Hmm. continue to pursue Jesus? So, um, that's a big one for me. Um, I found that, uh, so reading, um, and, and again, just a couple different ways. I journal, uh, and that's a newer one for me. I write a whole lot, uh, 
And um, there's a whole, I mean, there's, I could get into a whole lot of benefit to, to writing that like you retain way more when you write it down uh, than just sort of reading or consuming. Um, but it also gives you, it gives you record of where you were. And I can go back to some of the most devastating periods of my life over the last few years. And, uh, you know, remember, like actually remember uh, some of my prayers. You can start to see God's faithfulness over long periods of time. And, uh, it's, so it's, again, it's like, it's been a new one. It's one I struggle to, again, stay consistent at. Um, but it also, it, it's just amazing to, to be able to look back over a season of life and see God's faithfulness, like just so evident in your own handwriting. Like it's not like you can't say nobody, you know, anybody else wrote it. Like it, you wrote this and you've been able to see how, how God has been faithful. So that's one that I would, I really, really try to encourage people to, uh, and toward as well. Um, and then to like, to kind of circle, I guess, full circle back to the prayer piece. Um, what I've found really works for me is like, I pray through music. And, uh, so I, um, a big part of my prayer life is, is listening to music, is playing music. Um, I, you know, various seasons in my life, I've worked as a worship pastor. And so just love chances to sit and, uh, and to, to play and sing and, um, and just kind of lean into that. But, uh, again, it'll, sometimes it'll just be listening to stuff on my phone, right. Just pop in my, my headphones and, uh, and roll that way. So, uh, it's been a, um, a process of learning, uh, new prayer languages, if, if I could call it. again, that sounds like super turkey, but, uh, you know, what are the things that are going to allow me to, to talk to God and simply sit and spend time with him and get my emotions out, but also allow God to speak into my life and have those moments of quiet where, where I listen. So those would be three, I guess. I, I, I don't know how many I've listed there, up, there's, up to there's, point, but there's a whole bunch there that, that work. And, uh, you know, I also just say this, like, here's the disclaimer is there are days where I just straight up suck at all of those and wake up and go to bed and have just missed it. And, um, that's okay. You know, like that's obviously, you know, what is the best that God has for you? It's to, to, I think to be consistent in these things, but man, I mean, like the last thing you want to do is start beating yourself up for not being it. So, you know, absolutely my practice is not perfect and my execution of it is not perfect, but this, these are just things that, that God has impressed on me and I, I've discovered work well when I'm able to, to do them consistently. Yeah, that was, that's, that's really good. Thank you, Grant. Um, this has been a really great conversation, uh, and, uh, but we're going to have to wrap up. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but I really appreciated having you on um, and uh, look forward to more conversations in the future uh, and yeah. connecting again. If people just remind people again of how they can connect with you and specifically with, uh, with the podcast, if there's people listening or if they want to suggest to their pastor to, to check it out. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you can find us at youngchurchleaders.org. And uh, if you want to find the podcast, you can search Young Church Leaders Podcast on iTunes, um, or you can just search my name, Grant Vissers, on iTunes. It comes up both ways. Uh, we're also on you know, any, any place you find podcasts, so Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. Um, but the simplest way is to head over to youngchurchleaders.org, and that, that's going to send you everywhere. We've got a Facebook group that we would love for you to join, um, kind of join a conversation with us. And uh, that, that's a great 
uh, that's a great sort of starting point for people. But uh, thanks for having me on. It's it's been a great uh, you know pleasure to connect and chat and uh, to to kind of tap into to your show. It's been fun to follow and uh, and great that uh, you're kind of you're you're carving out this this niche of spiritual practice for people because I think it's it's so key. This is like every I think so just so much hinges on. Uh, on this piece of, of people's lives. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, now, before you go, actually, I should have asked you, uh, what, what's a, what is a young church leader? What do you mean? <laughs> That's a great question. As soon so, as you said join the Facebook group, I'm thinking, well, I don't know, like my, uh, who qualifies so, anymore. Um, we, we have avoided like putting upper limits on it. So we've got, you know, we've got people who, so here's the thing, uh, at the, so in, 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 you know, first and second Timothy, um, you've got, you've got this young leader and we're, we're working through this right now as a sermon series, actually at our church words to a young leader. And we, so we wrestle with this, but what is a young, so you've got Paul, who's an older leader and Timothy, who's a younger leader. And the, the goal, the hope is that for all of us, we've got this older person who's building into us. And I think the other goal is that we've all got this younger leader who we're building into. Mm. And like, I just think that that's a great way to live life is to have people above you who are building into you and have people not so below, above and below, maybe the, the wrong way, but who are older than you, who are more experienced and who are building into you, have people who you can kind of bring along with you as well, who you're able to build into. So I would say this, if you are interested in joining, join and we'll find a place for you. Um, <laughs> we'll let you know if you're young enough. <laughs> r- yeah, yeah. Rough, roughly, like I think a lot of the stats point toward like the 35 to 40, like if you're under that 35 to 40 range and like I'm starting to creep up on that 35 range. So I don't know what I'm going to do when I hit 35. Like, like, can I still host the Young Church Leaders podcast when I'm not, you know, under, th- I don't know. But well, I would say- then the question is, have you done a good enough job building into the younger leader that you're, that you're raising up? Cause they should yeah. really take over your podcast. <laughs> well, exactly. Who's going right. to, who's going to, who's going to take over. <laughs> Wait, if you haven't done that, then... I'm, sh- I'm sure they're out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to get involved, just join. Um, it's not like just join and, uh, and we'd love to have you. So ah, that's, that's great. Yeah. Thanks so much, Grant. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You can always go to spiritualityforordinarypeople.com and you can find all of the old episodes and all of the show notes for those episodes. Also, you can find the podcast on iTunes and I would love it if you could leave a review there. That means so much to me and it helps the podcast become more visible so that others can find these interviews. Thanks again for listening. Take care.